You're listening to the Puck Authority Podcast. Your go-to source for all things hockey. Welcome to another edition of Hockey Talks on the Puck Authority Podcast. My name is Justin Levine, and once again, I'm glad to be joined by the website's co-founder, David Sis. David, thanks so much for taking time out of your night to speak with me. Thank you. So yesterday we spoke a lot about the NWHL and how that's really affected women's hockey with the Toronto expansion team brought here and the pair of players who were recruited by Digit Murphy. Anyways, so I spoke with Melody Dow in that interview where she kind of broke down her thoughts as well as that of the PWHPA, where I've spoken with a few players who side with them under Jaina Hefford. Anyways, today I spoke with Victoria Bach, who we both covered with the Markham Thunder. So with that being the lead, what did you really like from her while knowing this was her first pro season? Well, I think when you look at how she fared in her first season playing pro hockey, it was astounding what she did. I mean, I believe she finished top 10 in points, not only leading the Markham Thunder, but was top 10 in points in the league, in a league with many Olympians and stars. So the fact that she was able to, you know, rise so quickly in the league, it shows, you know, how much potential she has and how much skill she has in the future. Right, and she did so under head coach Jim Jackson, who not only is an AHL Hall of Famer, but also won the Coach of the Year Award before the league folded. So when you take a look at it from that angle, how does having a coach with so much experience in the game help shape a young player? I mean, when you're coming into the league and you have a lot of skill like that, and it's nice to have a coach, and it's very important when you have a coach who, you know, he's been around for a long time, not only as a uh, as a coach, but also as a player, someone who knows how to get the best from their players and, you know, help someone transition from uh, university level to playing pros. Right. And as a result of what she learned from Jackson and all the skills that she combined in her first year of pro, she was nominated alongside Sarah Nurse from the Toronto Furies and Rebecca Leslie from the Calgary Inferno for the Rookie of the Year Award. So having seen Nurse more than Leslie take on Bach and the Thunder, how would you compare the talents that separate Bach from such fierce competition? I mean, when you look at the two, I find them, I think they have pretty different styles of play, I would say. Uh, Nurse is uh, bigger. She's a bit more physical, I'd say, than Bach. However, you know, the reason why Bach, to me, stood out more and was more deserving of the Rookie of the Year award was simply, you know, you look at the stats and how she fared. You know, not only she led her team, but was one of the top scorers in the entire league. Doing that right away you know, coming into the league right away was really impressive, especially considering the talent on the Thunder uh, that they already had. You know, her coming in and stepping up right away as a leader, I think she was very deserving of it. Absolutely. And I think she, you know, caught a lot of eyes and surprised a lot of people. And I mean, because you don't expect a rookie to, you know, come in and do what she did, but she absolutely tore up the league. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, we're going to get more into her accomplishments in just a bit, but she was very deserving of all that she got this season. For sure. All right. Just like Victoria Bach, Ailish Forfar played her first pro season that year as well. So with youngsters being the topic here in your mind, do you think it helps when a team has a rookie with another for each to rely on? I mean, I think... It's nice to go in to, t- I mean, I can't speak for every player, but I think for some players, it is nice to know that you're not alone. I mean, coming in with someone else who's in the same boat as you, who's also new to the league and, you know, taking everything, taking the life of a professional athlete in for the first time outside of uh, the NCAA, it's pretty, impre- it's pretty impactful, I think. I think it could, you know, help one's mindset to know they're not alone. 
Right. And I mean, speaking of these two who both came from different paths, but were both selected in the league's last draft as Ailish Forfar came right out of Ryerson, meanwhile, Victoria from the Boston Terriers. As someone who looks at prospects, in your personal opinion, w- w- would you go far enough to say that there's only one right way to grow talent? No, I think talent is different for I think the way to grow talent is completely different. Every player is different. Some players take a lot longer to develop, and it's not just women's hockey. It's men's hockey as well. I mean, you see every player needs a different development path. Not everyone's going to go to the NCAA and be ready to make it to the pros right away. Some players need more time than others. You see some players going from the NCAA, or for example, when we're talking men's hockey, a lot of players will go from the NCAA to the ECHL or the AHL before they're ready to make it the jump to the NHL. You know, you see some players want to go the OHL route. Some prefer the um, college route. You know, every player is different. I think it's the same thing uh, in women's hockey. There's no one right answer on how to develop a player. Yeah, and I think you said that perfectly, especially because there's, you know, such debate these days with the, with the growth of youth sports in Canada, whether, you know, that's, that is the right answer or is the NCAA, which is, you know, known for its professionalism and um, for the experienced players have, if that's, you know, the, the right path to come mm-hmm. from into a pro career. Because a lot of them happen to come from the NCAA before they start their NHL paths, whether that be through, you know, drafting them to AHL or, you know, whatever path that might be. So, sure. uh, yeah, I think you dug into that perfectly. For sure. I mean, I think that uh, especially with women's hockey, the youth sports are a great development path and even with men's hockey it's growing a lot you see a lot of players that even after the ohl they're not ready to play pros or chl they're not ready to play uh pros yet they're not ready to make their way to the echl or ahl youth sports and being able to play against older players a lot of the time is the perfect development model for these players Absolutely. And I totally agree with you. So, I mean, when you dig a little deeper here, you see that like Ailish played 25 games while Victoria Buck upped that number by one with 26. So, I mean, en route to her rookie of the year when Victoria scored 19 goals and 13 assists for 32 points with five game winning goals. So knowing Markham made it to the playoffs while doing so against Lake Canadienne, does it help when a player comes packaged as Buck did to Markham being clutch while producing? For sure. I mean, I think that's, pretty important especially you know when someone being able to bring that experience in and being such an impactful player at the NCAA level I mean Bach came into the league already you know used to the pressure of being the best and used to being one of the players relied on by coaches in clutch situations so having already experienced that kind of pressure and being used in those kinds of situations in the NCAA level it definitely helps uh, in her transition to the higher levels. Absolutely. Um, again, totally agree with you with you, with your insightful take there. So, I mean, talking of, you know, all that Bach accomplished, she was also named to the Ulster game alongside key talents she competed in Markham with. This includes Laura Stacey, Jamie Lee Rattray, Megan Bozak, Liz Knox, and Jocelyn LaRock. So hearing all these veterans' names, do you think the environment helped turn her into a leader with and one with booming success? For sure. I think, you know, as we talked about, a bit before you know it does help players at times when they're coming into a team with a fellow rookie I mean it helps knowing that you're not alone but at the same time it's also important to have veteran leaders on that team you know someone that can help guide you we also talked a bit before about how having a coach that uh, knows how to get the most out of their players and help a player transition 
uh, into the league. Of course, that's important. But at the same time, the the uh, importance of veteran players and their guidance cannot be overstated. Players like LaRoque and Latry, uh, and Ratry, sorry, and Bozak, very important to helping young players, you know, feel comfortable in their new environment with their new team and settle into their new roles. Right. And I say that knowing that there were so many veterans on the, on this squad before, you know, the league had to shut her due to financial reasons. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she had a, many to look up to. And I know that helping her out a lot was, again, Laura Stacey, mm-hmm. Laura Stacey, Jocelyn LaRocque, um, and Megan Bozek, a member of the national team. So I think that's definitely impactful on the young players such as Buck. For sure. For sure. I mean, uh, no, for sure. It's really important to have those um, veteran players who, you know, have experience, have been in her shoes uh, years before and know how hard it could be to adapt to the league sometimes. Having someone that has been in her shoes before, you know, help, you know, ease them into everything. It's definitely important and something I'm sure she definitely uh, appreciated a lot. Right, and even her coaching staff had some experience in this category as Victoria was drafted by Chelsea Purcell, the former Thunder GM and now a staff with the PA. She was also a former member of the Calgary Inferno during her playing days. So with that in mind, for the sake of familiarity, does having a majority of the Thunder plus a team executive from the Thunder at all, you know, kind of help you build on chemistry, uh, knowing you've got familiar faces to work with here in the PA where things are constantly, you know, kind of switching up? For sure. I mean, with the current state of uh, women's hockey with the NWHL and the PWHPA, you know, there's obviously going to be a lot of friends where and former teammates that some are siding with the NWHL and some are siding with the PWHPA. And again, in times of uncertainty, but um, vast growth within the sport, it is obviously nice and pretty important to have a lot of your um, a lot of teammates, coaching staff. Uh, management that you're familiar with to guide you in these uncertain times, especially as a young player. Right. And not only is she playing with some of these people, but she's also playing against some of them Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to, you know, GTA East or GTA West against Montreal, against Minnesota or whatever it may be. And Laura Stacey's playing with the Montreal chapter. Uh, But not only that, but we look at like, you know, national national team series such as the Four Nations Cup and the rivalry series, which is where we're going to dig into here. So Victoria played in both those tournaments. So with that thought in mind, as a national team member, what do those accomplishments say about the driving commitment that she always went in with? Oh, I mean, the chance to represent your country, you know, it's it's an unparalleled feeling. I mean, being able to say and being able to, you know, represent your country, wear the maple leaf on your chest is just, you know, it, it's probably the biggest honor you could achieve in the sport. So obviously that's definitely something that's going to help her throughout her career as she continues to get the chance to represent her country. It's just going to help, you know, bring out the best in her. Right. And I mean, being able and to... Her as well. You know, it's, it's a big motivation to, you know, you, you play, you work all season trying to get the chance to be selected to play for your country. It's a big source of motivation for a lot of players who grow up dreaming of the chance to get to play for their country. And I mean, that's definitely a driving factor that, go, that um, contributes to a player striving for success during the season. 
Absolutely. And again, she's found herself on the roster of a national team mm-hmm. very early on in her career, where sometimes it takes players a little while to mm-hmm. you know, sure. make it to that point. And I mean, she was supposed to play in the Women's Worlds, which we're going to get into in, um, in just a little bit. So, I mean, that's not something you see very often. So something very, you know, she put a lot of hard work into it and very well deserved. For sure. I mean, you could see. I mean, her rookie season, watching her play, she was one of the best players on the ice get day in and day out. So there's no, really no surprise to me that as such a young player, she was already given the opportunity to play for her country. I mean, she has a big future in the sport. Absolutely. That I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're going to only continue to see her grow with the mm-hmm. PWHPA um, dur- during this fight for equality and visibility before a pro league comes about where she's undoubtedly going to be, you know, however they decide to break down if and when that time comes, a first-round pick for sure. For sure. And now with the, my second last question for you, a lot of these players are backed by a handful of family who are always attending. And Victoria, as discussed in this episode, it was her grandmother who never missed a game, having... Having met her grandmother while covering, how does a support system contribute to a player's game mentally and how well they play? Oh, I mean, you know, having your knowing that your family's in the stands watching you, it's motivating. It's something, you know, they've been the people that have been supporting you your whole life playing and have helped you get to the point and where you're at. And, you know, playing at the highest stage, knowing that they're in the stands watching you, it's definitely something that... I would assume motivates you to play your best and, you know, show them how much you love the game. Right. And while she's managed to do both play her best and show her love for the game, which has, you know, again, blown away her teammates, uh, her head coach, Jim Jackson, and the rest of that coaching staff. um, I mean, Victoria touched on this as well during her time in the NCAA um, during her development with the Boston Terriers. So I guess speaking more to her collegiate days, um, I mean, she spoke to what the, what they meant to her back in Boston and spoke of what, what she took with her to grow and to thrive into pro hockey. So with my closing remarks, I'm going to throw this to my chat with Victoria. She is a former member of the Thunder and now a member of the GTA chapter of the PWHPA. She was supposed to play in the Women's World Championship, but again, like I, like I just mentioned, that was canceled due to COVID-19. So with that being said, David, thank you so much. And in advance, Victoria, if you are listening, you were an absolute joy to have on. So to all our Puck Authority listeners, thank you for joining this week's episode and enjoy this week's interview with Canadian sensation Victoria Bach. Speaking now with Victoria Bach, an active member of the PWHPA. Victoria, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with me today. Thanks for having me. Victoria, right off the bat, we are amid a global pandemic. So with that being the lead, what has your life been like in terms of quarantine and self-isolation? Obviously, we found out some news a couple months ago, and um, I've just, I've actually been at home, I'm at my parents' house, and uh, we put a little gym in our backyard, so that's been good. So I've been training and, um, you know, trying to just get out there and uh, take my dog for a lot of walks, Um, just trying to reach out, connect with family, connect with friends, and um, just keep myself busy. So um, overall, it's been good, and um, just wanted to, first of all, go ahead and thank all the frontline workers uh, for everything that they're doing for us. And, um, yeah, so that's been my quarantine. Just trying to stay busy. 
That sounds really good. And yeah, I mean, I know it's hard to stay busy during a time like this, but um, I mean, A, it's important and B, it's also important to stay in while the frontline workers who can't stay in, they're, you know, they're out on the front lines doing everything that they can to stop this so we can get back out. So I'm glad to hear that you're able to, you know, find ways to keep busy during this. All right, uh, the reason I asked you on today really is, is in lieu of the Toronto expansion team, which was unveiled for season six by the NWHL on Wednesday morning. This came after a report the week prior that suggested that a team in the city was being formed. What were your initial thoughts from a personal standpoint as the announcement came down? Um, yeah, initial thoughts. I saw something on Twitter, I think. Um, I know personally, I don't really, I don't really know too much about the NWHL and, um, I don't really have too much to comment on it, but, uh, yeah, I just think, um, you know, I have some friends that play in the NWHL, and um, I think, you know, at this time with sport and with everything that's going on and, you know, women in sport, I think, you know, that any time women get to play um, sport and get exposure for it, that I think is good for a sport. But, you know, however, I think that uh, us as a group in the PWHPA, uh, we have a different goal and a different vision, and um, I just think that uh, with the Dream Gap Tour this year, uh, you know, we made incredible strides, and um, you know, I just think that coming from, you know, NCAA and uh, going to the CWHL and seeing what that experience was like uh, to now creating the Dream Gap Tour, I think um, it's awesome and it's incredible just because, um, you know, we want to create a sustainable future for these young girls coming up and, you know, whether that's having more media exposure and, you know, proper treatment and proper medical for all of us and programming and just the little things. I think, you know, girls work jobs nine to five and, they come from their job and they go and they train and then they go to hockey practice and, you know, they eat, sleep and repeat. So um, I think we've had a lot of success this year and um, it was incredible to be a part of the Dream Gap Tour. So Jane Hefford has really expressed a lot of this very strongly in the last few days, saying that this isn't something that they necessarily, you know, believe in with the NOHL and what they're doing. And obviously this being as well, the rest of the players and her and uh, the rest of the leadership team of the PWHPA. However, she still wants to move forward in full force with the Barn Farming Dream Gap Tour. So with that being said, what was that experience like this past season touring North America a little bit to put that best talent on display? Yeah, I thought, yeah, it was incredible. First of all, Jameson so much, and she's been helping us, and um, she's definitely an amazing leader and someone I look up to. So I think just overall, the experience was awesome. Like, I remember the very first uh, showcase of the year, uh, I was in Toronto, so close to home, and um, I remember going on the ice and looking up in the stands, and it was just completely filled with young girls, you know, with signs, and um, I thought that was absolutely incredible, and, you know, just getting the opportunity and the chance to go play in um, different parts of the world that, you know, don't get much exposure to women's hockey, uh, I thought was incredible, and um, overall, I thought it was a, a great experience, and um, it was nice to be able to play with different players and just really come together and unite all together. So overall, I thought it was it was amazing. Right, and speaking of uniting together uh, with other players, I mean, I think that's really the same thought of some other players who took part this season, as I've spoken with a pair from the GTA chapter this week. So I guess mm -hmm. to that note, if you're looking at your last year with Markham, which was also your first year in the CWHL compared to this year at the Dream Gap Tour, in terms of resources, did Jana make sure everything was really in place as much as it could be, I mean, this compared to what you were needing and getting with Markham? Yeah, for sure. I think with what we had in the year that we had, she made sure and, you know, as well as we had some incredible sponsors step forth this year and help us out. I thought, 
um, you know, we're really thankful for them and everything that they've done for us. And we hope that, you know, they can keep moving forward with us. And, um, but, you know, for what we had, and I thought we had everything, it was, it was awesome. Like, like I said, it was just, you know, a great experience. Right, and speaking further to that support, I mean, you've got now with the PWHPA, like the backs with Bauer, Budweiser, and I mean, a huge number of other partners who've kind of stepped in at this point. So, I mean, in terms of sponsors, what has that support meant to all of you, and what would you like to see coming for next season, if anything? It's It's been incredible. Like, without them, you know, none of this is possible. So I just think, when you know, all the support that they've given us and helped us and, um, you know, has really helped us you know, continue and, like I said, just keep striving and moving forward as a group. And um, overall, I thought everything was really well done this year. And like I said, like every single showcase that we were at, there's tons of fans and people were interested in us. And I think the most inspiring part is, you know, after games, going out and seeing all the young fans, meeting them and really being able to interact with them. I thought um, that was incredible and um, they allowed us to do that. Right. I mean, that's the only part that, I mean, I haven't really had the pleasure of seeing us at the Secret Women's Showcase. I unfortunately didn't get to experience that. But, I mean, I've seen it on their socials, and it's such a great way um, for players to interact with the young ones. So they can really, you know, because, again, this, a large part of this is if you can see it, you can be it. And that's the message that's mm-hmm. being put out. So I think that plays a huge part of, you know, support uh, from the youth standpoint. And that's a huge chunk of reason why you guys are doing this. So, I mean, speaking of support and sponsors, a huge part of the Barnstorming Dream Gap Tour is the visibility of women's pro hockey, which goes right in with this. So with that in mind, you had a couple of your games this year put on CBC Jam, Monumental Sports Network, and one more, which I believe was an ESPN mobile app. So with that being said, to kind of grow visibility this season, what would you like to see in terms of, you know, making sure that there's more of an effort to put that talent on display for those who can't actually be in the stands? Yeah, I think just this year, like, with them, all those sponsors, you know, allowing us to, you know, showcase our talent, and I think that was incredible. I think, like I said, moving forward, we just need to make sure that, you know, we keep doing the same things and um, just keep working hard together. And um, like I said, you know, for all of this, like, what we want out of this is, you know, to be able to get media exposure. And um, I think, you know, with them putting us out there and um, on live television, people from all over the world can watch. So I definitely thought that was uh amazing for them to do that for us this year absolutely yeah i think that was uh really key especially for you know stops for example such as philadelphia uh mm-hmm. even even the series at the madame athletic center uh, i believe that was on cbc gem as well uh and these are just to name a few along with those at herbert carnegie arena during that weekend uh so i, I think that's really nice but obviously visibility um I mean, that takes priority and has to be stepped up a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I totally agree with your take on that. So let's go back to your CWHL days a little bit. So during your time with the Thunder, can you speak a little bit about, I mean, the relationships and the leadership of general manager Chelsea Purcell and the head coach Jim Jackson and everything that they did for the team? Yeah, uh, right away when I, you know, got drafted to the Markham Thunder, the communication was there with everyone, and, um, you know, they were super open, and the coaches just wanted, you know, everyone to succeed, and um, I think right when I stepped into the Markham Thunder, the first practice, you know, I just felt welcome, and everyone was, you know, so welcoming, and, um, you know, I think that was by far one of my favorite teams I've played on so far in uh, my hockey career, so... Um, you know, tons of great leaders on that team, and um, really, it was a really well-ran team, and I just think overall, uh, 
like I said, that was one of my favorite memories of hockey was, you know, playing on that team last year with all those girls and, you know, getting to meet some new friends that uh, I'll have for, you know, my lifetime. So. Right. And before I delve into my next question, I mean, I met your grandmother while I, while I was doing my coverage of the Markham Thunder, and she is by far your biggest hockey fan coming out from what I believe is Milton for every game. And she, she said that she also came out to Boston. Can you talk about, you know, how meaningful that is to you? Yeah, it's so meaningful. I mean, she means so much to me. And, um, you know, for her to come out to all of my games, and she's, she's my biggest supporter. And not only that, she's our team's biggest supporter, too. She knows every player. And, um, you know, I just think it's incredible. She does so much for me. And, um, you know, I like to tell her she's my little good luck charm. Yeah, and her hockey analysis was spot on. And I remember especially <laughs> one day where I was sitting with her, um, a colleague of mine, as well as the parents of Laura Fertino. And her analysis was, I mean, better than mine at that point. So, I mean, she's really, really engaged. Yeah, she's awesome. She, you know, was watching all my games in Boston and, um, you know, watching my little cousin's games and, you know, all my games in Silver Child. She's really caught on and, you know, I'm actually really impressed. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was really impressive. I'm, I mean, it got me thinking about, like, for example, my grandmother. If I were in hockey, is that something <laughs> she'd care to watch? Don't think so. So I think that was really nice. <laughs> Uh, anyways, going back to Chelsea Purcell and Jim Jackson, I mean, they did their jobs and provided you guys with everything that they did while under the advisement of interim commissioner Jaina Hefford, who took over for Brenda Andres. So to that point, can you talk about just how much Jaina Hefford means not only to the PWHPA, but really women's pro hockey as she's given opportunity time and time again with like the NHL All-Star Game, sending women and everything she's done so far with regards to the Dream Up Tour making sure that you guys have as much support as possible in place. And I mean, of course, this comes in mind with the fact that a lot of these players are keeping still with the fact that they don't want to go to the NWHL and are keeping still with the PW. Yeah, I think everything that she's done, you hear her name and you immediately think hockey legend. I know growing up, she was someone I really looked up to. And um, just watching the games, I know, you know, the first time I wanted to start playing hockey was I was watching the Olympics on TV and she was out there and um, just such a leader in our sport. And um, I just see all the stuff that she's doing for us and we're so grateful of her and so thankful for really everything that she's done. Yeah, I mean, she can, she continues to be a star, I mean, and we're going to actually dig into that a little later, so I'm not going to unveil those details of um, what I was just about to say just yet. So, speaking of Jaina leading it, she's done so much with some supreme help, I would say, in that of Cami Granado, who was the volunteer head coach. Not only that, but Billie Jean King, who helped out with the Chicago Stop of the Dream Gap Tour. So, can you talk about what it means to have such a figurehead kind of, you know, side with you guys and support you guys in making sure that women's pro hockey gets the attention and resources that it needs? Oh, it's incredible. Um, you know, the first time I got to meet Billie Jean King in person, I was so excited. And um, I just see what she's done for, you know, women in sport and what she's done for really, you know, all women and just, you know, the sport of tennis. I think it's absolutely incredible. And we're so lucky to have her by our side. Same as, um, you know, all the other people that are volunteering their time and helping us out. And um, it's, it's really, it's amazing. Right. And a lot of advisement throughout this year that and engagement that you guys have had with Billie Jean King has been via conference calls. So speaking of conference calls, that's also how you, you and so many other players found out about the CWHL shuttering. A lot of them, including what I believe was yourself in Espoo, Finland for the Women's Worlds. Meanwhile, a lot of you are also at home. So what was the initial thought that came down in your mind as to kind of why the league closed? And, you know, what was that uncertainty feeling like for you at that time? 
I actually, yeah, I was at home, and um, I remember they said that there was going to be a conference call, and I wasn't really sure what was what was going to happen. I didn't know if we were expanding, like what was what was going on, and I just remember getting the news that the CHL was shutting down, and um, you know, at first I was like super, I was super shocked. I was like, wow, so now what? Um, and that was kind of like my first reaction, and um, and then you know we all got together and. Um, we created this Dream Gap Tour, which has been awesome. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, my first year playing in the CWHL was, was amazing just to get that exposure, um, you know, playing with, I think, some of the best players in the world. You know, I was playing with some people that I looked up to and um, grew up idolizing. So it was pretty cool that uh, I got to play in the CWHL. But at the same time, uh, I remember what it was like going from, you know, the transition from going from Boston where, you know, you really do get everything. The first thing you do when you you arrive on campus is you walk into the locker room you have your sticks there you know you have your equipment and you know you go into the CWHL and um, I know for me my first year in the CWHL um, I was actually working so I would you know go to work and I'd work wake up at like 5 30 I'd go to work until around three I'd come home I'd go to the gym I'd train and then I'd go to practice um, and sometimes I would even sit in coaching in there so um, I know like that's that's kind of what we had to do and you see other girls working jobs nine to five so um when I found out the league was closing and with this new opportunity that was ahead I was I was excited for it right and speaking of you know these players that you were playing with that you grew up idolizing you're also still playing with them on the PWHPA so I mean during this Dream Gap tour you've also played with players like Kendall Coyne Schofield and I mean that's only for starters Laura Stacy you played with on Thunder but I mean what was it like to be playing with and against such supreme talent, not only that, but like Natalie Spooner, who you played against, but I now, I mean, there was opportunity, I'm sure, to play closer with her, and I know that a lot of this was through certain GTA stops, um, again, the Secret Women's Showcase, uh, the Uniforce show, Showcase, and uh, even the stop in Oakville, which I'm not sure she was a uh, part of, but can you, I mean, talk about, uh, again, just how fortunate you are to have been playing and still be playing with like some of the biggest names in this game. Yeah, I think it's incredible. I mean, um, getting to know those players, you know, playing on the national team with them and, um, you know, alongside getting to know some of the, you know, U S players, I think, um, it's pretty awesome to get to play against, you know, the top talent and the dream gap tour this year. And, um, you know, being able to play against, you know, girls that usually don't get to play against and also playing with. So, um, I definitely think there's, you know, a lot of talent. And like I said, it was great to get to meet new players and play against, you know, players from all around the world. Right. And we've touched on the support that you were getting this past year with the PW and that and what, what you guys were getting uh, with the Markham Thunder uh, before the CWHL closed. So, I mean, speaking of the support that you guys were receiving, the Thunder were really getting solid crowds at the Thornhill Community Center to watch you guys in your games. But when you compare okay. it to that of the PWHPA Dream Gap Tour stops, is it the same or is it different in terms of, you know, si sizes of crowds? Um, and again, I guess that the support also falls under sponsorships and um, how that all, all kind of works out. Uh, this year was awesome. I, I mean, we actually, like you, I think you touched on it. We played a game in Oakville that, you know, I grew up playing in that rink, played for the Oakville Hornets, and um, to be able to see that entire 60-mile creek rink completely full of fans, I thought that, yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, definitely got tons of support and uh, a lot of people at all of our games, which, you know, is a rush, and it's super exciting to play in front of. Yeah, I mean, the pictures from that were absolutely unbelievable, and I mean... 
the crowds at games like that, which you speak, speak of specifically, I mean, they were overflowing just again, the doors, I mean, as some reports showed, uh, which was absolutely incredible thing. And I mean, again, the PWHPA shared this on their Facebook and Instagram, which I mean, really blew me away. So I mean, talking about, you know, doing showcases like that locally, uh, having hockey, like coming back to Jaina Hefford's hometown of Kingston, I mean, one would only think that Another game like that would have had an absolutely sold-out crowd at the home of the Frontenacs of the OHL, and Paul Langwell, mm-hmm. the Tragically Hip, was amongst that crowd. So, I mean, I can only imagine that kind of support and seeing the numbers that come out is really a, um, a feeling that's something you remember for the rest of your life. So, I mean, was that a feeling you can resemble with the stop in Oakville, and were you part of uh, Jaina Hefford's hometown return? I did. I did go to Kingston. That was incredible. Um, I know that they, the Tragically Hip actually came into our locker room before the game, and that was an amazing surprise and just just to see all the fans we had that was that was that was a great game and um my family actually came down to that one and then um like i said the oakville there was so many this year um that it was just you know a great great tour to be a part of and um, i'm excited for us to keep moving forward yeah i mean i think that was like you said tragically kept coming into your locker room does that happen ordinarily no so that must have been absolutely incredible (laughs) yeah that was awesome (laughs) All right, so let's jump ahead to your collegiate career now with the Terriers. Can you talk a little bit about your time there and what you took away as you made the jump pro? Yeah, honestly, like four years there, you know, some of the best years of my life. I think, um, you know, I, I say all the time, I, you know, just the city being in Boston and, um, you know, spending four years there, I thought, you know, that was that was incredible. And, um, you know, I remember my favorite memory is still to say, you know, walking on campus and, um, I know my freshman year we won hockey. So that was, that was incredible. And, um, I think something, you know, about Boston is that, you know, we had a really tight knit student athlete community there. So, um, I still have a lot of friends that I talk to from other sports teams, which is pretty awesome. I check in with them, see how they're doing. And, um, yeah, overall, I think my experience in Boston was, was awesome and, you know, helped help prepared me to go go play with the, in the CWHL. And, um, yeah, I, I can't thank everyone enough there for everything that they've provided me for over the past uh, the four years that I was there. And once you came to the CWHL, I mean, this must have been a little bit different for you, only because practices, as I've learned uh, from my time covering you and the Markham Thunder, were late at night and then games – a in the middle of the day or b at night during weekends and so what was it like going from your day job to you know late night practices was that something manageable and i mean that's part of the reason that so many players aren't going to the nwhl is that's not going to change so i mean what was that like and was that a thing you, you were able to make happen yeah i think that's the big the biggest thing for us and you know what we're kind of fighting for i think you know people would come to you know the, the rank at we'd practice on thursdays at nine thirty to ten thirty at night and I know someone, you know, someone like me being from Burlington, I played for Markham, so it's, it's a pretty long drive there, and, um, you know, it, it does get exhausting, and not only that, there's things like gas and everything like that, but, um, yeah, it was it was hard, you know, training and um, working and having to go to the rank, and then sometimes I would coach, you know, I'd help, you know, give back to the young, like, Oakville teams, I'd coach them the sub team, so, I, you know, I'd be going from that to, you know, the practice late at night, it, it, it does get exhausting, and, um, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was it was a lot different. Like like I said, like you know, you go from being in Boston, where um, you know you really do get everything, you get treated so well down there, and then um, to go to the CWHL, you know, it was it was a rude awakening. Like little things, even like after a game, 
um, you know, having towels or, you know, going to the rink and, you know, always making sure there's tape there, like little things like that, that, you know, we weren't provided with in the CWHL. So, um, yeah, that was my overall experience, you know, going from NCAA to um, the CWHL. Right, and that's why it's so important to get you guys that support now more than ever because that's really hard to manage, like you said, the long travel that, that you have coming from Burlington. I mean, I, I live nearby the Thornhill Community Center where you guys are playing, so I mean, I would hang around there late at night and I would watch from, from the little gallery at, at the top of the seats uh, mm-hmm. while, while you guys practiced. And I mean, knowing that some of you guys come from far, such as yourself, I mean, that's really difficult. So, I mean, going back to your days at school now, what made you want to play university hockey in Massachusetts rather than home in new sports? I think I was around, like, 16 at the time. And, um, you know, I was with my dad, and we went down to a visit, and we visited some schools. And, um, you know, I went down to Boston. And, you know, immediately when I got to the city, um, you know, we drove. We were in Kenmore, and I just remember this uh, I know our first two years, we lived down on Bay State Road, which is, you know, really close to Kenmore, like probably a two-minute walk. So um, I just remember being in Boston and looking around, seeing the city, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. It's kind of like a little Toronto, but even busier. So um, I saw that. And, um, you know, coming from kind of a small town, I was in Milton for most of my life. I think, um, you know, going to seeing a big city like Boston, I think, you know, I was just super excited about that. And. Um, I just saw, you know, some, some, some of the heroes that have played at Boston, you know, with Mary Philip Poulin, and um, that kind of inspired me to want to go there and play. And um, like I said, just the city was incredible. It instantly attracted me to want to, you know, go play, go play uh, hockey there in the NCAA. So. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that um, helps influence that. I mean, Poulin, again, she is known as, uh, I mean, I've heard two things. One, a legend, or two, a goat, greatest of all time. So, um, yeah, that's definitely, that would definitely help and is understandable as to why you went to Boston. So, I mean, speaking of your time there, at least from what I've heard from the Wisconsin Badgers of the NCAA, they put together a very professional environment. So in terms of Boston, what was the experience like there, not only from the environment, but the resources that were set in place for you guys and like were practices at normal times? Can you talk a little bit about that stuff? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, something that was really, was awesome about Boston was, um, we had our own arena, so we had an arena that was separate from the guys, so our practice time um, could basically be scheduled around when we wanted it to be, so I think that was an advantage for us because, you know, how our days would usually look was we would work out every day around 2, and then we'd usually skate around 3.30, and then we would have the ice for however long we really wanted it, so I think the ice is always available if you wanted to go on, you know, before practice with like the coaches and get extra reps in or get some work in, then you could totally do that. And um, not only that, there's just so many resources in Boston. Um, you know, they, they offer you with tutors, little things like that. They offer you with really, you know, anything you need to succeed. Like the physiotherapy there is, is awesome. Um, they, yeah, there's there's so many things that, you know, you really get treated like a professional. And, um, you know, I think another thing that's pretty cool is when you're on campus, you know, professors get to know you because of sport. And um, I think that's just, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, huge key of going to school and being an athlete at the same time because, I mean, A, you're known more personally. Um, you're getting all these uh, benefits and help. Uh, that way you can succeed academically while you're also you know, putting your product of hockey on the ice. Um, so, I mean, talking about 
more about collegiate hockey when you were when you guys were on the road were the meals provided by the team because i know from the cwhl like travel accommodations were however the only thing you guys had to take care of yourselves was meals mm-hmm. yeah that's enough. another thing i didn't touch on with ncaa uh after every game we would always have a meal waiting for us and then we would have pre-game meal as well so that's another thing. Like when I played in the CWHL, you were you were on your own to find meals before a game, and you know depending on where you were and like what hotel you were staying in, things could be far. You know whether that's you have to Uber Eats and food stuff like that. So um, at CWA, like we, when I played at Boston, we always had meals before. We'd have meals every game. You know if we were home, we'd have meals at T Anthony's. So um, whether we were home or away, we'd always have our meals before and provided for us and after. Right, because I know from, the, from again, from the time with the Markham Thunder, you guys, you'd finish your games, you'd do your interviews, as I usually did with you afterwards, uh, but then after that, you guys would vacate the rink, and that was that. There was no, you know, meals or anything afterwards. So, I mean, they paid for hotels and stuff, but other than that, you were on your own, like you said. So, let's say going down to Montreal for a weekend against Lake Canadien, can you kind of describe what that experience was like? Yeah, that was, uh, so... Usually when we went to Montreal, we would leave on the Friday, uh, or sorry, we would leave on the Saturday. So we usually leave pretty early in the morning, and um, it was usually like a six-hour drive. So we would get there, I would say we'd leave around 7. We would get there, you know, it all depends on traffic and stuff, but um, we'd get there at a decent time. We'd get there, say, around 3, and then a lot of us would like to just, like, we'd have, like, a short time to take a quick nap, uh, get some food, and then uh, we'd go to the rink for a game. So I think the hardest you know, was the travel to Calgary because, you know, we'd fly on the same day that we'd play. So um, a four-hour flight, you know, can get to your legs. It's hard to, you know, perform at your best when you've been on a plane uh, before your game. So I think little things like that was, was hard to get adjusted to just from going from NCAA. Like, we're if we played a game on a Friday, we would leave on a Thursday. So we'd have that whole night to recover and get proper food, proper sleep. So I think that was a big adjustment, too, playing, you know, in the CWHL last year. Right, and speaking of adjustments, you are a national team member. However, a pro hockey league would still be a fairly big change. So with that thought in mind, what would that mean to you, and how would that kind of alter your life? I think it would be incredible, you know, just for us to be able to, you know, play the sports that we love and, um, you know, play without having to have other jobs and other things, and we can, you know, just focus on succeeding. And um, I think that that would be incredible That's a goal that I have and also for you know the next generations coming up as well um you know for young girls I think um for them to be able to you know say you know what I want to go and I want to play pro hockey and uh I want to be like just like them kind of thing so I think that's what we're working for and um I just know like when I was a young kid I wanted to play on the Olympic team and um you know that's that's a goal for that I had and I think you know now with young girls coming up it'd be amazing for them to be able to say you know they want to play pro and you know, play in the Olympics and, um, you know, have, have be able to play hockey further, further on in their life. Right, and speaking of, like, wanting to be on the Olympic team, you've been playing in, you know, the Four Nations Cup and tournaments like that. Uh, you played in... You played in New Brunswick uh, along with some other stops in Anaheim this year uh, and, and scoring the winning goal, which I believe was the game in New Brunswick. Can you talk about, you know, how awesome that was to do it on Canadian soil and, you know, in front of such a, a big Canadian crowd for such an important tournament? Yeah, it was incredible. I think, you know, overall, all of those games and uh, all of the rivalry series was just an incredible time for all of us to come together as a group. and. 
Um, I think, you know, we all worked so hard this year with everything with the Dream Gap Tour. We had many camps, and, you know, as a group, we just really, really worked hard, and um, to be able to play in those games, especially on home soil, like the game in Victoria was incredible. There were so many fans, and um, I I just remember before the game, we uh, were warming up, and the fans were already there while we were doing our off-ice warm-up, so the support was incredible, and it was a great experience to get to play in uh, different places. I've never been to um, a place like New Brunswick before, so that was really cool, and um, it was a great experience. I've never been to Victoria, so um, it was nice to play on home soil in front of all of our fans. Right, and that game-winning goal was in Victoria, so I think... uh... (laughs) As it was put by TSN, Victoria scoring the game-winning goal in Victoria. So uh, I don't know if you heard that call, but um, yeah, that was really funny. Yeah, that was that was awesome. That was you know a great experience. I'd say like probably one of my most memorable goals I've scored. But um, overall, like just like I said, our team that you know all the rivalry series, we just worked so hard, and um, like I wouldn't have been able to score that goal without my teammates. So overall, this the, this year was was awesome and. It's, it's too bad that with everything going on, uh, we couldn't, you know, get get a chance to all play together at the World Championships. But um, health and safety comes first, and you know we're just going to keep working hard as a team. Right, and during the rivalry series, you played with uh, in front of head coach Troy Ryan and assistant Corey Chevry, who is a coach of the Ryerson Rams at Ryerson University. So, I mean, speaking of, uh, you know coaches and playing with different faces you played uh with and against a handful of different coaches as some were volunteers and some were especially sanctioned under Jaina Hefford to join for just a weekend series during the, the dream gap tour so can you talk a little bit about what that experience was like yeah it was really cool getting to play you know different coaches and um you know they've all been in our shoes once and um you know I, I know all the coaches you know they've played I know Corey played in the CWHL and um, it was nice to be able to pick there, and they're always willing to help us out. And, um, you know, just super smart coaches, uh, you know, it was great. I think they helped my game a lot this year and overall our, our team success. So it was, it was awesome to get to play, you know, um, behind a bunch of different coaches this year. Absolutely. I think that's, you know, one of the nicest parts of the Dream Gap Tour because it gives you a little bit of, you know, learning experience from each person uh, to help better your game in one in one way or another. So I thought that that was a really awesome thing that uh, Jaina kind of set out to do as part of, you know, all your Dream Gap Tour stops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool. I know some of the stops that we had, we had some, you know, they some coaches that came on the bench and then uh, I think Jaina actually got to coach us uh, in the Kingston game. So I thought that was really cool. And um, just being able to kind of, you know, pick their ears, these hockey, you know, heroes, and just learn from each one of them, I thought that was awesome. Right, and during your time with the PWHPA, you played with and against so many different players. Is there anyone who really stands out to you as impactful through this whole Dream Gap Tour as kind of a leading face for not only the PW, but for women's pro hockey to kind of get things moving? Yeah, there's. I just think there's, you know, so many powerful women, all of us, you know, together are just doing... I think we're doing amazing things, and um, I thought it was awesome to be able to see all the girls go and compete at, you know, the NHL All-Star competition this year, so um, that was really inspiring, and that was awesome for, you know, our game, and they got to showcase, you know, our talent and what we have to bring, so I thought that was awesome, and like I said, you know, all of us, you know, there's so many inspiring, you know, women in our sport, and everyone's working so hard together, uh, so it's nice that we're all united. Absolutely, and I mean... When you speak of so many inspiring women, this includes a lot of them who are, you know, regular faces to, to the benches while you guys are playing, whether that be, you know, Rebecca Michael, Laura McIntosh, uh, Jaina Heffer, who did a few, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 
they've all coached through stops like Toronto, uh, Hudson, New Hampshire, Voorhees, New Jersey, um, Philadelphia, Arizona, Oakville, and I mean, obviously that list goes on. So can you talk about, to that extent, what it means to take stops in certain players' hometowns and be able to put on such a good show? And again, uh, Kingston uh, referred to amongst this group. Yeah, I think that's incredible. I know um, when we did the stop in Oakville, I thought that was awesome. So just being able to, you know, go play in front of your hometown and um, inspire, you know, those next generation and the young girls was awesome. I know a lot of us uh, give back. We coach uh, young kids. A lot of us do development. And I know for me to be able to allow all the girls that I coach to come watch our games was awesome, really hit home. And um, I couldn't imagine for that game in Kingston for someone like Jaina and um, you know, we had a couple other games. We had a couple. We had a game in Waterloo, which was awesome for you know Laura McIntosh from Waterloo, Lauren Gable, and um, just you know getting that exposure into our own hometowns and you know allowing them to come out and watch us is incredible. Yeah, I think that's really awesome because I mean, even the Waterloo stop, which I was going to to attend. I don't know if you, if you were playing in that one, but. Um, I mean, it was great to see such a great crowd come out, even despite the fact that it was a snowstorm, which is the reason yeah. I couldn't end up attending. That was, uh, yeah, a crazy weekend. But I think it's really nice that you guys do this, uh, to, you know, because that way families of players like Lauren Gabble can come in and watch you guys do your thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, so going fast forward to the Secret Women's Showcase. You played with some of these players who recently committed to the Toronto NWHL team, that including goaltender Elaine Chuli, as well as Shane D'Argangelo and Emma Greco. Can you talk a little bit about each player and what they've meant to the PW and, you know, what a hockey club can expect from them? Yeah, um, it was nice to be able to – I didn't get the chance to play this year with uh, those girls. I played with Woods and um, Markham and, and our uh, and our showcase. But, yeah, I think, you know, all of those girls, um, you know, great players. And um, like I said, you know, I have a lot of friends that are playing in the NWHL and – um, you know, anytime, you know, you get to, you know, showcase women in sport, I think um, it's great for our sport. And, um, yeah, they, you know, they, they're playing in that league. And, um, like I said, uh, yeah, I have friends that play in that league. And uh, I don't have much to comment on it. But, um, like I said, we all have, you know, our group of girls that came together. We all have goals. And um, that's, that's what we're doing with the Dream Gap Tour. So. Right, and as you just mentioned, a player that you did play with during the Secret Women's Showcase as well as a couple others, uh, such as in Oakville, was Taylor Woods, who you played with on the Markham Thunder. Can you talk about what it was like to play with such a stacked lineup in Markham, which was led by AHL Hall of Famer Jim Jackson? Yeah, that was awesome. I think just being a first-year in CFHL, getting a chance to play with uh, so many elite players, uh, that, that was cool, and um, like I said, you know, I learned so much even from Jim. He has so much hockey knowledge and, um, you know, Stoney, Kevin Stone as well and Piper, you know, really solid, solid lineup to be on the bench but um, in front of. So um, learned a lot from all of them and can't thank them enough for everything that they did for me in just that one year. And with, within talking, you know, teams, uh, formation, rotations, etc., is there anyone who you would still love to take the ice with on a line, of which you now have the opportunity uh, with changing teams constantly in the, uh, throughout the PWHPA's Dream Gap Tour? Oh, hmm. um, I mean, there's so many incredible players in this tour, I think. For me, just the one cool thing would be be able to play with, you know, as many different people as I can. I think that's the great opportunity of this, and 
Um, I thought it was awesome this year, just getting to even play different positions, and um, that, that part of the, the game was cool, getting to play on the lines with different people, play different positions. Um, I think overall it just helps you and uh, develop your game, and um, I think it's, it's pretty awesome to get to play with some of the best players in the world. Right, and speaking of those opportunities, through the PWHPA, a lot of players have come over from the NWHL, those who believe in this mission rather than what that league is currently set up to do. That includes Haley Skamura, who from what I believe came over from the Buffalo Buttes, and that's just one of many. So what's it been like forming chemistry with people you've never played with or against before and still putting on such a good product on the ice and knowing that you're all within the same mindset with the same mission going forward here? Yeah, I think we're, you know, we all have the same goal and, um, you know, well, we all want to come together and just put forth the best talent that we can, you know, for our fans and, um, like I said, just keep pushing forward and um, in hopes to create that sustainable league and um, I think it's awesome when we all get to, you know, have the same goal and even though some people might, you know, be from USA, some are from Canada, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, we're all coming together and we're, we're all working together to create one goal. Right, and I mean, another one who didn't play in the CWHL yet joined the PWHPA again from the Buffalo Buttes was Shannon Sabados, who was kind of MIA from the Dream Gap Tour this season. So, I mean, basing it off the fact that she might return mid-season next year as she's expecting a child, what would it be like to have yet another all-star face kind of in the lineup with you and with the same mission? Yeah, growing, you know, growing up, I always watched her. I've seen her play in the Olympics, and um, she's a star goalie, so she's she's really solid for us, and um, I think it'd be really cool. Actually, I've roomed with her a couple times at some events and got to know her well. So, um, yeah, that'd be awesome for her. Super exciting for her to you know have a baby and all that. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be really excited for. Her. All right, and so moving forward again with uh, the Dream Gap Tour in another respect, Renata Fast, who you also played against in the CWHL and continue to in the PWHPA, recently said on Hockey Analytics Night in Canada, that the Dream Gap Tour will have more stops this season. So, I mean, A, have you been told anything? And B, if not, where would you like to see the tour go this season? Hmm, yeah, um, yeah, I haven't, we haven't, I haven't really been told too much yet, but... Um... With just, you know, with everything that's going on. But a um, couple cool places. Um, hmm. I think it would be cool to go to some more, you know, I think it would be cool to go out west maybe, or I think it would be cool to go somewhere warm, like somewhere like Florida would be cool. Um, somewhere out there. Or, um, yeah, somewhere like Vancouver would be cool, or Calgary, somewhere out west. Um yeah, just places like, you know, that, 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 that's a good question. I haven't really thought about that, but just places, you know, where we can get more exposure and that they don't usually see women's hockey. Um, that's why I thought it was awesome. You know, we had the Arizona one and, um, you know, there's uh, Philadelphia, so that, that was really cool. Yeah, and I know that Vancouver and Calgary specifically are both really big hockey markets, and the Calgary mm-hmm. Flames are huge supporters of the PWHPA, as shown by a package of hats that were sent that they were all wearing uh, through parts of the season. And so, I mean, with that being said, I will now leave you to my last question. The NHL support this season was, I mean, really phenomenal, especially with the Philadelphia stop having Sarah Nurse, Hillary Knight, and Megan Mickelson drop the puck at a Flyers game the night before that series started. What does it mean to have that NHL support from teams kind of really shown in big ways? And is there anything you would change in terms of their support? And would you like to see more added? I think their support is incredible for us. And, um, you know, you see all the NHL teams coming forward and showing their support for us. Um, that That's amazing because 
um, you know, it's people like them that are going to help us. And, um, you know, we, we work hard and, we, you know, we, we train hard. So I think they, they notice that. And um, like I said, they, they're willing to help us out and their support is huge. Right. Um, I mean, again, we've seen this from prior to from the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the Calgary Flames, who, I mean, have stepped it up again this season. So I think it's really important. And I mean, the, and the NHL itself, while they haven't done anything yet, there is a kind of preliminary plan in, in place should they need to uh, step in to help, you know, grow the formation of the WNHL. Um, so I guess I'll add one more question here, and that would be, you know, how long do you think it might take to get from where we are now to there, whether it be, you know, two years, five years, 10 years? And I mean, you're a young player, so it would be nice to see this sooner than later. So have you given that any thought? Um, I haven't, yeah, like I haven't really given it much thought. I just know that, um, you know, I'm a good believer and, you know, good things are worth waiting for. And I also think that, you know, things take time. Um, you know, it's like, you know, a hockey player or a professional athlete, you know, they don't just become a professional athlete overnight. You know, it takes time. They got to train hard, work hard and, um, you know, everything takes time. And you look at everything that Billie Jean did for, you know, the sport of tennis and, um, you know, look where, it at, where it's at now. It's incredible. And, you know, everything takes time. You see the women's NBA, things like that. Uh, it's, you know, they're, they're succeeding and taking off and it took time. So, um, I, I can't really, I don't think I can put a, a time frame on it, but um, I just know that what we're doing, I hope that we can um, continue with the success we had this year and move forward with that into next year. And um, uh, like I said, um, things take time, so we're not really sure what the time frame. Right. These things, you know, they don't just appear overnight. Um, I mean, for Billie Jean King, it took a long time. For the WNBA, it took a long time. So, I mean, we'll see, you know, where women's hockey goes, but I mean, given the support and the constant growth and the growing visibility, I think they're absolutely the right steps are being taken here. I mean, Chelsea Purcell, uh, again, she's one of them uh, helping out behind the scenes. Jana Hefford, the things that they're doing are absolutely incredible for this game right now. Um, so with that being said, Victoria, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Take care, stay safe and best of luck moving forward. Take care, you too. Bye. Bye. So that brings this episode of the Puck Authority podcast to a close. We are thankful to Victoria Bach for taking some time out of her day to sit down and chat with us while home in quarantine. Victoria is a member of Hockey Canada and the PWHPA. She played at the 2019 Rivalry Series and was scheduled to take part in the Women's World Championships until it was cancelled due to COVID-19. In spite of this, Victoria continues to put her best talent on display. Now, she is also a former member of the Markham Thunder of the CWHL, and she's known for her many strengths and talents, which she presented with the Boston Terriers prior to making the jump to pro. Victoria, if you are listening, thank you again so much for taking time out of your day to speak with us. And to everyone who tuned in for, to this episode, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to this very, very special feature and very special episode of the Puck Authority podcast. We will be back next week when I speak with Armand and Megan to catch up on the latest in the world of women's hockey and the ECHL. From thepuckauthority.com, my name is Justin Levine. You're listening to the Puck Authority Podcast.